This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the entrance of your word. Your word never returns void. It accomplishes, it prospers in the thing that you've sent it, Lord. And your word is like a sword here today, Lord, that it will cut between soul and spirit. Lord, that it will set us apart because, Lord, it's a lamp unto our feet. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you inspire, you reveal, you open up our eyes to see the Father and to see the work of Christ. And we want to thank you, Lord, for your life in abundance. We thank you, Lord, we're not here because of religion, because of tradition, because we just must come. We've, we've come here to meet with the living God. And we confess that today, that you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God, and we bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, we, our theme for the year is let's stand, and, um, and not just standing for standing, but let's stand for Christ, let's stand before him, let's stand for him in a world that has gone crazy, <laughs> a world that is, um, I don't know if you've been uh, watching the whole abortion thing in America, it is crazy what is happening in Illinois, in New York, um, it's we've really entered into the last of the last days, if you have not noticed that. And um, and a lot of Christians is almost like getting discouraged a little bit or sort of like so distracted. And that's what that word, Yanni brought that word this morning. We, we, we sometimes so distracted that that we can s- sort of miss what God is doing. And especially in a town like ours, uh, there's a lot of cultural things and a lot of things in, a, in even... That wants us to conform to the patterns of this world. Um, there's a lot of conformity. You know, there's a lot of identity issues. There's there's so many issues that uh, sometimes we want to play ostrich and just say, "Oh, I wish it's going to go away." But this is the time for the Church of Jesus to to stand up um, and to to spiritually to arise. You know, it was so amazing. And I said it last week. Please don't send me the clip of uh, our Chief Justice Mugheng Mugheng because I've received it 300 times from 300 different angles. You know, I always started praying in the in the Parliament when that opened up and at the inauguration gave the President the Bible because one Christian that stands up and say, "Hey, um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make a stand for Christ." And uh, so the the theme is sort of almost or the topic this morning. Continuing, and next week, um, John will be sharing a little bit more about, um, you know, especially different worldviews and how do how we discern things as to what's happening around us, um, is to be free from unbelief, to be free from unbelief. Um, I, I think all of us, we are challenged by the way that we're living just to conform, because if you conform, then... Um, sort of we just like we like that little froggy that sits in the pond and they they heat up you know just put the temperature up two percent and two percent and two percent you know um yopi and i was at in botswana um going to visit some people there for a church plant and so we worked very hard but at the end of the second evening there was like a jacuzzi now i'm not used to a jacuzzi but so we threw in like bubble bath that it came like three meters high and so we sat in the jacuzzi, so they heated up the jacuzzi, and so it was so nice, you know, but eventually you just go down, down, you sit in this, the, he tried to take a photo of me to show it to the old church, but I, I uh, was hiding that, you know, but so yeah, all the soap is coming out, and you just go down, and it, 
you just get more mellow, you know, as the water heats up, you know, eventually it's 40 degrees and uh, it's just lacquer, you know, and then you start to talk slower and, you know, you just like, it's like heaven here yeah, in this jacuzzi and everything is bubbling and it feels like a massage. And But when you get out there, you can barely walk, you know, and it's like ice cold outside, but you sort of, you're sort of not used to what's happening outside because like, hey, this is a chill, you know, and then, um, but so I'm not against the koozies, but, but it was so nice. It was, I must confess, just between the two of us, you know? Um, and so, so that's sort of what the world wants to, just little bit by little bit, and the spirit of the world wants to put like 2% up, 2% up, and, and, and sort of challenge us in so many ways. And so, so Jesus was, was coming into an environment like we in today, and he did not conform. Um, there's a book, you know, and it is... Um, John actually mentioned it last week when we were there at their home, you know. There's a book, David Platt wrote this book, Radical. How many of you have read that? Okay. And so many Christians write the, uh, read the book and then they say like, wow, that's so amazing. <clears throat> and it should actually be the norm of Christian life. Um, you know, uh, so we, we can conform so easily to things. And listen to this in John 1. This is where we start. This is where Jesus chose um, one of his disciples. And I mentioned this in the, one of the... Um, sermons at the students, but that's where we're going to start. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, Behold, look, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? <laughs> and Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe you will see greater things than these? What a way to call a disciple. <laughs> so here Philip is calling his friend and saying, look, yeah, there's, a, there's a man here. We're trying to figure out who he is. So I'm just paraphrasing a little bit. And, and we're going to go to him. And uh, he comes from Galilee around the corner. And so this Nathaniel says, like, can anything good come from that place? Can anything good come from pits on water or modus on a fly? You know, what, what's all these play? Camus, you know, I hope there's nobody from Camus. You know, can anything good, anybody from Camus? Okay, forgive me. Okay, but so, you know, can anything good come from Carcamas or Camus or somewhere there, you know, but, yeah, don't judge, don't judge. We, we, that's why, you know. The amazing thing is, you know, so, yeah, yeah, he's confronted with, where Jesus comes from, and he, and he says, like, I've got this perception of people from that side, you know, <laughs> nothing good can come from there, and so, so he walks up to Jesus, and he sort of goes because he's curious, and then he gets to this place, and then, then Jesus says, behold, <laughs> I've seen something in your heart, Nathaniel, that others have not recognized, but there's no deceit, you're not a deceptive person, you've got a pure heart, you've got an innocent heart, and look at this response. He just cries out. He says, you are the Lord. <laughs> you know, in one sentence from, can anything good come from Nazareth to the next moment, you're the Lord, you're the king. 
Isn't that amazing when God sort of shines his spotlight into your heart? When God begins to draw something out of us, then whoa, you know? And then we go on and, and he says, how do you know me? You know, how, how do you know me? One sentence, one sentence, one word from God changes our lives. Would you agree? <laughs> one prophetic word, one moment in the presence of God. This guy had so many perceptions, so many traditions, so many cultural things. He was very, probably very religious. And then Jesus goes on, he gets a word of knowledge for him. And he says, I saw you when you sat under that fig tree. I saw you. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what he did under the fig tree, but he sat under the fig tree because it was probably a very, you know, shiny day and the sun was beating down and he had some worries or troubles. We don't know, but he was sitting under the fig tree and he was talking either to God or talking to himself, but he had a moment there under the fig tree. And then the Lord says, I saw you sitting under that fig tree. I knew what you're going through. I saw you. Isn't it amazing that... God can see, I see you. <laughs> Whoa. Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? He asked him a question. And that's the question I want to ask us. Do we actually believe? What is our faith worth? <laughs> And in the context of especially Stellenbosch and the Western world, one of our biggest sins in the church is the sin of unbelief. Not actually be believing believers. You get unbelieving believers. Did you know that? <laughs> People that just go through the motion because what do we actually believe? Firstly, concerning our faith. Firstly, concerning who God is. But then secondly, what is Scripture actually saying? And everyone around us are trying to change scripture, change what, who God is and what we actually believe. And this is what Jesus confronts this man with when he starts off. He says, do you believe because I just said something to you or you had an experience with me, but I'm going to show you much more. And I'm going to take you on a journey that is going to challenge your unbelief. I'm going to take you on a journey that sometimes you're not going to feel you're in control. And a spirit of unbelief, we're going to look at that, it brings us to that place where we're in control and we can manage our lives. And we actually go over to start to manage God in our lives. Sure. And that's why, especially these mission teams that are going out, you know, we go out and we get to that place. The person that changes the most is you. It's me. When we go out of our comfort zone. Because suddenly we realize God sometimes moves in a different way than what we think, or that our culture determines. Now, there's a, a picture I want to leave with us, or sort of, sort of just paint. It's it's a picture when Stephen Lungu shared when he was here last year. He said they were in their little village. They would tie the goats to the trees in certain areas. Otherwise, the the goats would, for certain seasons, especially if there was not enough grazing area around, the goats would go out, or the animals would go out and destroy the grass, <clears throat> and destroy the stuff all around. So they will tie the, the goats, and then for a month or two months, I can't remember how long he said, but they'll walk around the trees, but they tie to the tree. So they get used to just being in that little spot. And then eventually, after this time, when, the, when they can go out now, they just loose the goats from with the ropes. They loose the ropes so that the goats can start walking. 
But the goats are so used to walking around those trees that even if you take away the rope, they still just do exactly the same. Just go round and round the tree. They don't know that they've actually been set free to go out. But because of the bondage and because of the stuff that they've become so used to, they don't actually realize that they're free. And that's a picture of many Christians today. That's a picture that many times we, we get so used to tradition and so used to just like, hey, sing two songs, sing three songs, that our expectation and our faith starts to just become normal. But what is normal faith? What is normal Christianity? You're getting very quiet here. Listen to this in Mark chapter 6. <clears throat> and when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished. This is now about Jesus, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this with which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Okay, no, no there's an exclamation mark. Okay. Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to get offended by the demands that Jesus puts on your life. The things that Jesus asks. And the problem is, is because of familiarity or because of, hey, is this not, is Jesus not supposed to do it like this? <laughs> Do you know that Jesus' own brother did not believe in him, that he was the son of God, until after the resurrection? He never believed. He did not commit himself to Jesus. He had a spirit of unbelief over his life. Because of familiarity, because of, but we know you. We, we grew up with you. <laughs> we like, hey. That's sometimes that creeps into our relationships as we become familiar with each other. And when we become familiar we can control people or we think we can control them or we think, worse than that, we think we can change them. And only God can change them. You know, there's, um, there's a book, um, Richard Foster writes in this book, Celebration of Discipline, and we're going to do it with the family zones after June, July, um, through the small groups. He says, if we just try to, to use our will to change ourselves, we're in trouble. So sometimes what we do is we preach a moral gospel. We just say, hey, be a good person. Don't sin because you must be a good person. But just your will in itself cannot change you. You cannot change yourself. That will must be surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. And when you have learned to surrender your will, to give up, to come to the place where you say, I can't change myself. It's called brokenness. Then what begins to happen is then God can use you. But we become masters at our will, eh? Using our will. I'm just going to do it better. I'm going to just I'm going to just make sure that I'm a good person. <laughs> and then Jesus says, "Hey, nobody is good." And and so yeah, this challenge with these guys is is they say, "But is he not just around the corner here? Is he not just from Nazareth and the other side? Is he not he comes from this family. We know you, you know." And then Jesus says, "But Jesus said to them, a prophet Verse 4, is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty works there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. 
imagine Jesus coming to a place like Stellenbosch and marveling at our unbelief. And Jesus says, sure. I had so much more installed for you, and yet you settled just to walk around the tree. I brought you so much freedom, but you don't believe that that sin or that pattern of that sin in your life can be broken. Because God did not just come to forgive our sins. He came to take away the power of that sin over your life. And so sometimes we're still trapped and we just go on and on and on because we don't actually believe. And so this morning, I'm not talking about faith in faith or psyching yourself up, but having faith in God. So, so what are some of these signs of our unbelief or when we've lost our first love? Because that's where it starts. It starts in the heart. We've lost, lost that passion for God, that hunger for God, that teachability to want to grow, you know. And um, sometimes, and we must be honest, you know, that's why the stats say that most people that come to salvation come to the Lord under the age of 18 or 16. Most Christians that live today came to salvation when they were young. That's why we must reach the schools and we must put youth coaches in the schools and we must trust the Lord and pray, pray for the schools in our, our town. Right through Kneel and Kalmore, everywhere. Pray for the schools. Pray for the young people that they'll get an experience with God. Why does it happen? Because we harden our hearts. We grow up and then we say, ah, yeah, yeah, when I was a student, I also went on missions, you know. And, uh, but one day you're going to grow up. If ever somebody tells me that, I'm going to slap you and I'm going to repent later. You know. Welcome to the real world, you know. And I think like, Welcome to the real world. What's the real world? It's your spiritual world. That's reality. But what starts to happen is we become familiar, we become comfortable, and we become disrespectful to the work of God. What are some other signs? A loss of intimacy, having things easy, following the status quo. There's no more expectation. And what begins to happen is slowly but surely we become like that little frog. We harden our hearts. That many times when Jesus comes by, we don't recognize him. And the Jews missed Christ. They missed the visitation of Christ. They're still waiting for Jesus to come. Because they could not see in the way God wanted them to see. They, they, could, not, they could not receive the, the, the Savior in the way. Why? Because yes, they, they were a priest. The Romans oppressed them. They, they wanted a conquering Savior. They wanted somebody to march and overthrow the Romans. And he came as the suffering Messiah. Sure. But then we also begin to doubt God's character, his promises, and his power. So Paul writes to the Romans, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. <laughs> So if we're praying for that family member, do we believe that they can get saved in one day? Do we believe that God can reach out his hand and save and heal and power? No, no, you know, I've been praying so long and I'm just like, oh, it's not working. And, you know, God's promises is true sometimes, but not really. But when he said it, it's done. It's finished. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm this morning. Okay. But there's, there's a whole culture and even in church, we become unbelieving believers. Yeah, 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 you know. And then when somebody gets excited, we all say, no, 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 yeah. But what if God decides to bring revival through the Baptist church in Stellenbosch? Will we get excited? 
No, 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 no. God must move. Yeah, you know. What if God decides he's going to bring revival in a church in Kaimandi or in Klutusville? Will we recognize it? Or are we expecting that God must move here? That's a good test. For when Jesus comes. So let's look at some ways in which Jesus challenged the status quo of the day. Firstly, he started by being born of a virgin. Now, most people one, don't even recognize that today. Most theologians today in South Africa won't recognize that. They say that he hasn't, wasn't born of a virgin and he was, didn't resurrect. That's the good question to ask somebody. If they say no, they don't believe that, then run, Forrest. Run, you know. Stay away because that's part of the Antichrist spirit. If people don't believe in the virgin birth because then Jesus wasn't sinless. But so, here God's plan to send his son, this great gift of redemption, comes through a virgin birth. Contrary to culture, contrary to the religious norm, and everybody wanted to crucify Ju Joseph because they said, hey, you're not born in the right way according to all the tradition. Now imagine Joseph walking around and saying, you know what, um, my, my wife is going she's gonna to bring a child from the Holy Spirit. What? The angel appears to Mary and says, hey, you're going to have a child. Lord, let it be according to your word. Let me be there, be a servant. Because everything inside of me says no. What are the people going to say? Adultery, illegitimacy. This child cannot be from God. And yet right from the word go, Jesus introduced a way of living that was just crazy. Then when we talk about the Sabbath, woo, <laughs> all the religious leaders, oh, no, you have to do it like this. Oh, no, no, the Sabbath, transgressing the law. Yeah? No religious norms, no tradition of men. You know, what in our, in our faith and in our believing of, of God is just tradition that we've received. Now, some people say, yo, yo, you know, we, we're not part of that conservative traditional church. We at least lift up our hands, you know. We clap and we get, we get so used to things. But even charismatic tradition can be just as religious as traditional stuff if we don't connect with God. I mean, we put on the CDs and we put it in the car and then we're like, oh, lekker, lekker, you know. And then we sort of, the, the, the songs just become like background music. But we become just as religious. Because our challenge is if we walk out here and we're not changed and transformed, then we haven't met with Jesus. We've met maybe with an experience of him. Yeah. As I'm going through this, I want you to think of things in your life because we're going to have communion afterwards about maybe one or two of those things. Maybe what is culture, what is just religious norm in your life. What do you do just because it's tradition? What do you do just because of it's your legalistic meaning, like I have to do it like this, you know, because God is going to strike me here. Yeah? Oh, the king on the donkey. No, 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 no. King not on a donkey. And then choosing his disciples. Woo. 
You know, I would have gone to the University of Jerusalem and say, give me the top 10 students and we're going to change the world. And Jesus goes to the fishermen that have no front teeth and can't basically speak, you know. They said, and we're going, well, we are, and we're going to change the world for you guys, you know. And there were probably a couple of swear words in between, you know. <laughs> I don't know if the fishermen those days were like the fishermen we have today, you know. Yuck, they were rough people, yeah. Whew. But to be honest, you know, I would have gone just to Jesus after he chose these disciples, you know. He chose two, like, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, you know, these crazy two guys. Just like, they just wanted to call down the thunder and say, oh, no, this city doesn't receive the Lord, so just destroy it, Lord, and go there, and let's rumble with Jesus, you know. And then Peter with the loud mouth and always speaking out, and, you know, and then... You know, John, that was just like going around, the loving one, and just like, oh, is everybody okay? You know, we had such a weird bunch of people together. And they all ran away. Cowards. Don't choose cowards for your top team, you know. Choose, look at the CV. <laughs> oh, then the cross. The ultimate place of victory looked like the ultimate place of brokenness and defeat. The message of that cross, if you want to live, you have to die. Wrong way around, Jesus. Live so that you can die. That's what the world says. No, no, the Lord says, come and die so that you can live. It's the upside down gospel. Then the resurrection, the most powerful miracle we could see and know and live by. It's the resurrection of Christ is defying all the natural laws, breaking the fear of death itself. So in essence, everything about this Jesus that we are following is radical, and that's the norm. The word for radical is, is actually the, it's like the root of a certain plant, that main root, the stem, part of that. So what we sometimes think is, oh, that when I read the book of Acts, that's so radical, that should be the norm. Well... So if, if we're not humble to realize that there's so many things, and I'm not, I'm not saying be radical for the sake of being radical. I'm just asking about what in our tradition and what in our culture actually brings us to a greater place just of unbelief and doubt. And your biggest enemy is simply the thoughts in your mind, and secondly, it's always going to be the hypocrites. Other Christians that tell you what not to do or other Christians that compromise. Because why, 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 do you, why, why do you want to step out, you know? Why, th this is not, you know, I've heard it so many times and some of the mission people, you'll hear that, you know. Why do you spend so much money to go to Nepal while you could just take the money and send it to them? Can I ask since when has money been an issue with God? Does money control you? But why, why don't we just reach out to Clutusville? Well, yes, we do reach out to Clutusville, but there are 2,000 groups in those areas that have never heard the name of Jesus. So why do we go? But Jesus told us. But see, it's so easy that people just like put a subtle pressure on you when you want to step out of the boat. 
no, 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 no. You know, it's, it's nice and cozy here in the boat because if you're going to step out of the boat, you know what? You are going to challenge me to also step out of the boat. But God is waiting for a group of people that would say, hey, I have to walk away from can anything good come out of Nazareth to the place of surely you are the king. Surely you are the Lord. And that means that some of our comfort is going to be challenged. Some of our culture is going to be challenged. When you read the Bible, hey, I've got good news for you. Between you and the Lord, someone is going to change. And the good news is, it's not the Lord. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> okay, take that finger. Take that finger. Point it at you. Say me. I mean myself. You. No, no, don't point your point to you. Okay. You follow the Lord. Okay. And sometimes we must talk to our soul like David. Hey, be still now. Thoughts, because everything is in, you know. Stop managing the Lord. Stop managing your life. Management is good. But don't be an unbelieving believer. Don't just allow status quo, whether it's with your sin, whether it's with your circumstances, whether it's with your future. Don't settle because this is not your home. And I'm not speaking against, you know, being a good steward, but sometimes people use the concept of stewardship just for comfort sake. I'm such a good steward, you know. But stewardship should still involve faith. Amen? Listen to this. Okay, you're getting very excited, and I'm going to finish now now so that we can repent. Amen. Because that's always a good place to start. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 1. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's a process, not one of us is perfect. It is the power of God. The message of the cross Starts with justification, but then your whole life is the process of sanctification. So those who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's not just, hey, pray a little prayer so that you can go to heaven. The message of the cross brings sanctification. It brings change. It brings challenge. And it is the power of God that changes us, that brings us to that place. And he says, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. The Greeks were the intellectual ones. The Jews were the religious ones. Jesus said, I'm going to be a stumbling block. Because they had to cross a lot of things in their minds and their culture to receive Christ. Because they were very religious, the Jews. The Greeks were the philosophers. And they were the thought-provoking people. And I'm not saying switch off your mind. Great to be intellectual. But don't let your intellectualism or your religion keep you in a place of unbelief. So if you just study the scripture, why do we study the scripture? Is to know God, not to know more about God. Amen? Otherwise it becomes prideful and you, 
And that's why it says it's foolishness. When you read it, it's foolishness. That message being preached is to save those who believe. It's called sanctification. Whoa. But you, you, you and I need to say, hey, there's going to be some stumbling blocks. I drove past Paul Russia, you know, and then there was a guy from Namibia that sort of tried to get here before me. And all of my ego just kicked in, you know. One of the students that serves, he's not here, he's, I think, at the kiddies church, you know. And so they're at that little bridge. We crossed paths, and then he went right. And I thought, like, I'm going to beat you, you know. But then, here in front of Paul Ruiz, you go, and then suddenly there's like these bumps, you know. I drove with this old bucky, and I just like, you know. I got like a neck spasm after that, you know. And, and he made it before me, you know. And I repented of my competition spirit, you know. And I thought, like, I'm going to get you, you know. But in any case, so. But that's like, you know, you're going you're gonna to drive in your little car, little Jesus, and then suddenly, woo, there's some bumps in the road. And God placed them there. Stumbling blocks. <laughs> but you see, when they saw Jesus and they said, what was the first reaction? They were offended. If the gospel doesn't offend you, it's not the right gospel. If the gospel is only there to please you and to make you feel like morally great and a good person, it's not the gospel. Jesus said, I will become a stumbling box. I will become a rock of offense. And we should never offend other people, but the gospel will. If your gospel does not offend other people, it's not the gospel. It's not the truth. We don't go out to make enemies. We don't go out there and say, hey, turn or burn. We don't do that. Jesus loves you. But when you come to him, you must come to him on his terms. And we can't change and become just a motivational church. We would just become a moralistic church. Because then we go into legalism. We go into tradition. Or we become a holiness church or a prosperity church. We must be a Jesus church. <laughs> Preach Christ crucified. It's foolishness. To those who believe, but it's the power of salvation. It's the power of salvation. Such a simple message. You know, I, I, I was, I've told the story once before we went up here into this mountain in, in the Himalayas, and there's this tribe, and oh, you know, and we, we, we're there, and, and I stood for a moment, and I thought like, wow, these people have four million gods, and we're going to tell them a story, a crazy story. And that crazy story is of a God that sends his son to the earth to become a human, to die on a cross, and then rise from the dead. In the natural, it is actually a crazy story. So I was standing there for a moment, I think like, whoa, you know, they've heard four million stories, four million other gods, you know. But because we know the truth, it is the power of God unto salvation. And we just said, there's a God that loves. And because of sin, sin entered. That's why you have to believe in Genesis. I have a friend that says, Genesis. Okay? Genesis 1 verse 1. Yeah, okay? You have to believe in Genesis. Okay? And he says, hey, this is it. He came to die on a cross and you need to repent. Turn back to God because he made a way. Sure, that's amazing. And the whole tribe just responded because it's good news. 
Thank you for that, Amy. So, how do we end? We have to realize there's a different way of living. Matthew 28, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. Go therefore. Luke 10, go your way. Behold, I send you. The word for apostle, are, are you offended? Okay. Everyone that wants to leave because of that offense, you can leave now. No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> okay. Being sent, they're going to. Peter, want to go on you? Christian, come here. No, no, come on. Oh, yeah, I know. Thank you, Julia. We release them. We send them. To go and serve at the Afrikaans service. Okay. They are on duty. They're going to pray there. But so, the mindset of realizing that tomorrow morning when you walk into your workplace, you are a sent one. That's the word Apollos is the sent ones. The sent one. Give me that definition, Vilio. That you got it there somewhere. What, what is the word for apostle? If the mindset is I'm here to stay, I'm, I'm sort of just going around in this life. Listen to this. Apollos means from God, a delegate, especially an ambassador of the gospel, officially a commissioner of Christ, an apostle, a messenger, he that has been sent. Your mandate, my mandate in this life is we are sent ones. And a lot of people don't know that there's a calling that you've been sent to that workplace. Not just to go into missions, but sent into the culture to redeem the culture. To find what is good, what is godly in that culture, but to redeem it. Sent to Dachbrek to, to not just conform to the things of Dachbrek, but to realize like God has sent me here. I'm a sent one. And part of an unbelieving spirit is... A conformity to just the culture, a conformity to comfort, a conformity to the world, to the spirit of this world that tells you, hey, just be like us. And a lot of churches make a mistake. They try to be like people, and then we look just like the world. And we're not supposed to conform to the world. We're supposed to be transformed. But unbelief creeps in if conformity is part of your lifestyle. If I am just, I'm just going to, you know, I'll never walk alone. We'll always walk together. What's, you know, don't want to sing that song. But so, God would challenge us in where are we just traditional? What is your expectation? How have you grown as a Christian in the last year? And there's some of us that have lost our faith, maybe have been shipwrecked. Maybe we've lost just that hunger, that passion for the Lord when you wake up. There's some of us that have lost that song, that, that song that you sing, you know. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. There's some of our songs that have been stolen. Some of the calling on our lives have been stolen because, hey, it's taken dust. And you know, it's fine, but you have to come to God and say, God, I realize I'm just conforming. I'm just, I'm just surviving. And then there's a group of people that say, hey, 
mixing the bridegroom. We're not focused on the jewels that we put on and the blessing of the bridegroom. Because the preparation is not, the jewels is not for us, the jewels is for him. And more than that, he wants our heart. I saw Nathaniel, I saw you when you sat under the fig tree. I saw you. So let's move out from just being unbelieving believers to believing believers. That when you wake up in the middle of the night, you breathe, you smell, you fragrance Jesus. Okay? I told the guy, he's sitting there on that side. He's a bit of a metro man, you know? Somebody asked me, like, what is a metro man? It's a guy that at least looks in the mirror three times before he goes out the front door, you know? When he wakes up, he does his hair, then he mirror will check up, and then he checks his cape again. Hey, hey, Willem. But so, I'm not saying Willem is a metro man, you know. Maybe Keenan is, or somebody else. I don't, I don't know. But, but there's a lot of metro men, you know. And, and so, looking at the right posture, and looking at the like, hey, I just, I, I want the acceptance of people, or do you want the acceptance of God? Why are you smiling like that, Janice? How many times did you look in the mirror this morning? No, yeah, no, yeah, okay. Will you just go back to that um, one of Jesus challenging the status quo? I want you to think of maybe what is your status quo in your life? What is status quo in my life? What do we do because we just so get used to doing it that we lose the heart of why we're doing it? Why do we worship? Why do we raise our hands? Why do we pray? Not because Christians must pray. But there's something God is stirring in our hearts. That, hey, the bridegroom is coming. The bride is making herself ready. She's preparing our heart. But in our town, there's a lot of unbelief. There's a lot of pride. Christelle spoke to us about that. There's a lot of people that just try to put Jesus in a box. But he can't be boxed. He can't be boxed. He's Lord. And Nathaniel had to become part of that calling, part of the calling for Peter. Each one of these disciples, they would catch massive groups of fish, massive heap of fish, and then Jesus says, come follow me. But, but Jesus, we, can't we just sell the fish and fund your ministry? Jesus says, follow me. What a journey. What a journey. What an adventure. What a challenge. Because Jesus is going to take you places and he's going to challenge things in our lives. Because that gospel will become foolishness to you. That gospel will become something that you'll die for. Because you realize the power of it. First in your life and then when you start to share it with other people. But you know, most Christians today, they don't share the gospel ever. Because they don't know the power. They've settled for unbelief. Most people say, no, but I'm an introvert. I'm not never going to share the gospel. But if you've seen the power of something working, if you have the result for AIDS or you have the cure for cancer, you're going to tell the whole world. You have the cure for religious, traditional death. You have the cure. 
meets in the message of the cross. Will you stand with me today? As we... Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.